Hello, and welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan, a short-form comic book podcast where my goal is to help you find that next fantastic read or discover an old favorite. I cover comics from the golden age to now, indies, and Kickstarter campaigns. You never know what I might cover, but you will know where to find fantastic comics to read at the end of each episode. It's Thursday, September 8th, 2022 of the podcast, and I'm on the countdown to the 75th episode and the first anniversary of the podcast at the end of September. Now, for the year, the podcast has changed, and I try to make it a better experience. But one thing that hasn't changed and never will is my willingness not to limit what I cover on the podcast. One of my mantras is that our fantastic reads from the golden age now. However, those comics need to be read in the context of the time. For example, you can't read a zany Batman in Space Silver Age story like you would read the latest Detective Comics put out this month. Yet, I love those stories with the original Batwoman, the first Batgirl, and even throwing a Batmite tale now and then. Another change I've made over the years is having guests come on and pick about the comic they want to talk about on the podcast. If they are excited about their pick, their enthusiasm will carry over to the listeners. One goal is to get you to try new comics or to rediscover an old favorite. For this episode, I snagged someone I've been trying to get on the podcast for a while, Sleepy Reader, a.k.a. Damien. We frequently interact on Twitter, and he runs a long-running YouTube channel. A few episodes ago, I had him talk about his channel and recommend some of his favorite podcasts. That episode also had the Long Box Review and Omen Revelations podcast. They all talk about some of their favorite shows. It's a great episode. Check it out. You'll find that link in the show notes. Now, for this episode, I was surprised by Damien's choice. He picked Timely's Venus 1 and 2, Golden Age Comics, Written by Stan Lee. Now in the past, I admit, I've often been a little critical of Stan. Now I don't take away any of his contribution to Marvels and comics as a whole. My gripe has always been at Marvel, there are creators besides Stan, Steve, and Jack that made Marvel, well, Marvel. People forget John and Marie Severin, the other Stan, Goldberg, and Jack Keller, just to name a few. They deserve more attention because without their contributions, there probably wouldn't be a Marvel today. Back to Venus. One and two, they surprised me. Hats off to Stan Lee. Those issues are pure, wacky, golden age fun. I hope you check them out for a different st- side of Stan Lee and the art, which we cover in the episode also. Now, if you like what you hear, please spread the word. I've added a link tree to the show notes, allowing you easy access to fantastic comic fan, social media accounts, and platforms where you can listen to the episode. Please follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I want this podcast to continue to grow and introduce fans to a different way of covering comic books. Thanks for listening, and now, on to today's episode. Welcome back to Fantastic Comic Fan Podcast today. My special guest is Damien, who does the Sleepy Reader YouTube channel. 
before we talk briefly about that, Damien, I usually ask my first time guest their comic book origin story and how they got started to become a lifelong fan. What was yours? <laughs> when I, I had just turned 10 years old and my family was eating at a, a drugstore that had a diner in it. And it was a long, boring summer, you know, when you're a kid and there's not much to They're do. They're all long and boring. <laughs> and there was a spinner rack. Um, so when I finished my hamburger, I went over and started looking at the spinner rack and I begged my parents to let me buy one of these comic book things. And they said, just one. And comic books are bad for you. So you can't have them again, but just this one time. <laughs> so I spent what in my mind was like a half hour looking at every comic book there trying to figure out what to get. And I picked out uh, the Avengers number 92 which was a Neil Adams issue of the Kree-Skrull War. See, and even had, back then you had good taste. Yeah. <laughs> or I was really lucky. <laughs> Either so way, yeah. it had the Fantastic Four and the Avengers on the cover. Um, the Fantastic Four turned out to be Skrulls inside. But I learned so, with that one issue, I learned so much about the Marvel Universe. My mind was blown with all these crazy science fiction ideas that Ant-Man went down inside the Vision's body to cure him of something. Famous And then sequence. we had Captain Marvel and fighting Skrulls. And it was incredible. And I became obsessed. And I, I wheeled and dealed and snuck around my parents in every way I could to get comics, even though they didn't want me to. And eventually, I think that after a year or two, they kind of broke down and stopped uh, making it hard for me to get them. <laughs> But they had grown up, I realized many years later, they had grown up, they became adults around the time of the whole Dr. Wortham stuff and the banning of comics. And so yeah. they had it in their memory that comics make you into an idiot. That's that's kind of what they thought. And, and censorship never really works. And the demonizing of whether it's <laughs> video games or comic books or whatever, like that just never works. And it's great sure. now that comic books are actually uses learning tools. It actually has, acts as a foundation to other types of reading. Right. You know, it, it's so great now that kids and all ages read comic books because as you remember growing up, there was kid comics and then for a long time, there was no such thing as kids comic books. You know, And now there's comic books for all ages. You also run, Damien, a YouTube channel. Before we talk about your comic book that you picked today, tell us a little bit about your YouTube channel called Sleepy Reader. My, my channel is called Sleepy Reader 666. That's what you would search for um, on YouTube. And it's kind of a weekly diary of my comic book reading in various forms. It's very casual, excuse me. And I've been doing it for about 10 years. And uh, which means I have about a thousand videos out there, which is just crazy to think about. You were talking about working towards 75, yes, and that's seven. a lot in one year. So I put out about 50 a year, I guess. Um, oh no, 100 a year. Oh, so I shouldn't shouldn't say 75. Go ahead, Brad, that's all right, no big deal, yeah. <laughs> but uh, unlike podcasts, I don't edit. I just film and then I put it up. And gotcha. somehow on YouTube, that works. Uh, I think when I podcast, it's harder not to edit. I've been actually trying to get you on my podcast for a while now. And usually I have the guests pick a comic book that they want to talk about. And I will be honest, you surprised me with this one. <laughs> you picked a Golden Age comic, which was Venus number one and two. It came mm -hmm. out basically in 1948. 
It was a Marvel yes. Timely Atlas comic book back when Marvel was called Timely Comics. Right. And it's available on Marvel Unlimited, which is yes, the reason why I picked it. Yes. And it was written by Stan Lee and various creators. Outside of blowing my mind away, <laughs> why did you pick Venus 1 and 2 of all things? Well, I mean, I really enjoy uh, Marvel Unlimited. And it was, what to me, an exciting find on it because it's so different. And I think I was uh, reading some Millie the Model with my daughter a number of years ago when she was a bit younger. And I was really enjoying the Millie the Model, but they didn't have a lot of Millie the Model on Marvel Unlimited. And they still don't, unfortunately. Right, so they really should uh, remedy that. Now, Millie the Model, you can buy most of her issues pretty cheaply, uh, the hard copies. I was just looking, these Venus things go for thousands of dollars. Um, So... Digital is really, and there's no, I can't find any reprints of them, anything. I read these first two issues yesterday, and they are a wonky story because it's kind of science fiction, it's kind of fantasy, it's kind of a romance thrown all together. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm a little harsh on Stanley at times. I'm a little harsh on Stanley because I think he doesn't, he gets too much credit. But in this case, I'm going, Stan, this is a wonky idea. I got to give you credit because you, you just, are a wild man, Stan. <laughs> you put this wonky comic book out that's part romance, part science fiction, part crazy. And this, you're right. The stories are really good and they're kind of fun to read in a golden age context. And it kind it's weird because I it's very of its time. It's very 1940s and uh, and very, you know, sort of women's value is in their beauty and all of that kind of thing. But it also has this free form underground comics, alternative comics vibe to me. You're right. Exactly. It made me think of love and rockets and things like that. Venus is the goddess Venus. She lives on the planet Venus where she is the queen (laughs) and she's a little bored of it. And she discovers she can just instantaneously travel to earth. I noticed that and I was kind of like, well, that's the way of kind of like you're skirting around the issue of how this, ah, I can right. just think it and go. And I'm like, it's, it's I, like a fairy tale or something. Yes, and I don't know. Have you ever encountered the underground comics of Trina Robbins? Yes. It, yes. it reminded me a lot of Trina Robbins, maybe the art style more, but also just that kind of, there's a playfulness to it. So she arrives on earth and stops traffic because she's just standing in the middle of the road, doesn't know what she's doing. And an editor of a magazine called Beauty walks along and says, there's the most beautiful woman on earth. I'm going to claim that she's a descendant of Venus and put her on the cover of my magazine. And then what the hell, my editor just quit. So I'll make her the editor of the magazine too, even though she doesn't know anything about editing. So, um, and she keeps trying to tell him she is Venus, but he thinks she's crazy. And when she's on earth, other than her ability to transport back to the planet Venus, she doesn't all have all her godlike powers, so she can't prove that she's a goddess. And then in a series, in these first two issues anyway, series of adventures, her, her beauty <laughs> always ends up saving the day, right? Or, and one time she goes back to Venus to bring back 10 beautiful women Cleopatra to win a and Queen Cleopatra and Salome are the only yeah. ones named. Yeah. And there's a, a conniving receptionist 
at the uh, magazine who yes. was always trying to follow up her career, but it always backfires on the receptionist. So there's a very sexist kind of idea that the more beautiful the woman is, the more she is the one in the right. And but, the less beautiful and the brunette and stuff are less lesser women. <laughs> but what I liked about Venus is she was actually, a, in a lot of ways, a well-rounded, smart, modern woman. True. She wasn't your ditzy blonde. She wasn't, she was very smart, you know, even in some of the things, you know, like when she was given the task of, I need to find beautiful women. She went about it smartly, you know, right. and even the, the brunette was kind of like her foil. She isn't even really portrayed as a one note character. It's actually, you know, you actually see her as a character. You understand her position of who is this person that just came out of nowhere? Who is she? And even when the, I forget her name, the brunette's name, but even when her plans uh, back. Della. Her name Della. is Della. And when her plans backfire, you can understand, you know, track how the Venus, and it's not. A one note. No, the characters are one note. You're, you're very right. There are they are pretty well rounded, and Stan Lee uh, gives us a sense of their character very quickly. You know, it doesn't take him a long time to establish characters, and, and the, the whole comic has a really yeah. nice flow to it. And, wanna... and this is a pretty young Stan Lee because I think, I think circa 1940. Uh, this must be a Stan Lee in his late twenties. I'm guessing. I'm thinking so too. I want to pause for a second and talk about the artists involved. The first issue, well, both the covers were drawn by Ken Bald. And I know a lot of new fans are going, who's Ken Bald? Well, Ken Bald, and it's funny because a lot of these Golden Age artists would go on to be somebody famous. Uh-huh. You know, somebody important. In other fields or something. In other fields, totally unrelated. A lot of times I'll do a Golden Age post on Sunday. And I'm like, wow, this is a Golden Age artist that nobody knows. And they went off to do this and this and mm -hmm. something. And Ken Bald's place, he was well known as a comic book artist. I'm sorry, a comic strip artist. And he did the Dr. Kildare and Dark Shadows comic book strip for yeah. years. And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, this is who Ken Bald is. And... He those did. covers are, to me, to my mind, those are fantastic covers. I mean, they really capture a kind of ethereal, unusual kind of feel to them. Yeah. And Often it seems to me the best thing in a Golden Age comics will be their covers. But I like the interior art a lot, too. Stanley was 26 when he did this. Wow. Ken Bald actually became a person in the Guinness Book of World Records. Oh. because he was the world's oldest comic book artist to illustrate a comic book cover at the age of 96. He wow. did a variant cover for Marvel's Contest of Champions in 2016. He came out of retirement. because He'd been oh, in retirement goodness. since 84 and Dr. Kildare ended. He'd been in retirement. He might have retirement in 2016 uh -huh. to do this one cover, which I thought, wow. So some is. editor at Marvel remembered him. Yeah, <laughs> which is and I'm like, to me that, too. that is like incredible. And the inside interior, the first one was a guy named Lynn Streeter, who nobody ever hears about. He did um, comics in the 30s, I'm sorry, in the 40s and the 50s, and a lot of work in Archie, but he only did one Venus and maybe four or five issues of Marvel Timely at the time. And he wasn't even around mm -hmm. for it. And I'm like, well, how did it, it I mean, it kind of makes you curious, like, how did this person, who's not really a timely artist, 
come on, managed to do only one comic book. Because back then, an artist and a writer were directly connected to that company. You know what I right. mean? Gardner Fox did everything for this. This creator did that. Stan Lee, you know, did. And so how did Lynn Streeter? Now, the second issue, which I thought was also interesting, was drawn by George Klein, who later on had a big career. Uh, he was uh, as an inker mostly, right? Mostly as an inker with Kurt Swan that he started in 1955. Uh-huh. And, and then in the early 70s, he was at Marvel. I remember his name on a lot of Avengers thinking over, it, over yeah. Buscema. When did he, you know, it had to have been in the late 60s because he died in 69. Oh, huh. Wow. only. Yeah, he was only died young. He was only 57. He died of uh, liver. So I think he was a drinker. And he died six months after getting married. So he wasn't. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, sad. But, you know, again, he's associated with being a big anchor with Kurt Swan. But a lot of people don't know, you know, I didn't know who Ken Ball was. And again, these are some of the creators that, people should at least be aware of and at least know that yeah. because you're right the Ken Ball covers and even the interior the art is great and, and I'm just amazed at what Stan pulled off in these these issues of Venus they are a fun read yeah so I mean some people kind of imagine that Stan was maybe not that talented as a writer and relied just on the artist's but these obviously were scripted in advance and and he's doing an excellent job here I, you have to wonder if a different artist would be put on this, whether Venus would actually have the same impact. Yeah, George Klein does an excellent job of, you know, similar art to what I think of 1940s Archie looking like. But yes. it was a kind of a style that existed back then. But the storytelling is excellent. You know, the, and I, I do feel like looking at this on digital is really nice because I enjoy zooming in on certain panels and, and that sort of thing. There's one story that I love the most of all in which uh, Della, the, the jealous um, office worker, uh, hires two detectives to follow her around and yes. try to find out what she's doing when she disappears because she disappears to go off to the planet Venus. <laughs> yes. And then the detectives think there's something wrong with their eyes when they see it happen. And then, and your example of how Venus is kind of intelligent and figures things out, she figures out the detectives are following her, and then she turns the tables on Della and hires the detectives to go and create this uh, false story about Della in front of their boss, the handsome guy everyone wants to marry. Yes. And and then she reveals it was a fictional story saying, see what happens when you make up stories about people. Uh, It's so easy to make up a false story about someone. And then at the at the very end of the story, Della hires the detectives to spank her. Yes, yes. Which is a very 1940s thing. I think now it would seem really kinky, but I think back then it was just sort of cute. <laughs> but it's just, the, the detective is saying, uh, I never figured we'd earn $100 like this, bam. And exactly. Della says, harder, I deserve it. <laughs> The cover of Venus, back then, there were so many comic books being put out. It was hard for comic books to be noticed. This Venus cover, for number one, has a black background. And she looks very ethereal, very almost dreamy-like, new age, groovy type of a cover. And for me, the cover really stands out, you know, differently. I mean, 
a black background. It's probably because of that cover that I picked it up. And even the second issue stands out because it's Venus in the forefront, and she takes up pretty much like 75% of the cover. And again, it was like Ken Ball. But you're, you're right. The, the, whole, the whole thing is a great read, and it gives you a really different Stan Lee. Right. Different than what you, you know, and because if you read, you know, Stan Lee before the superhero era, a lot of the wonky, strange stories like in Strange Tales and the mm -hmm. monster stuff. Those 50s ones. Yeah. They were some great stories, too, that right. again, illustrate that Stan Lee was just not a one note character. The man was very creative in right. his own way. He was having to come up with like. 20 twist stories a month, it seems like. Yeah. It's not easy to do. <laughs> you know, and, and later on, yes, he didn't script everything that he did, but in these early things, this was a Stanley script. You can tell. It wasn't the so-called Marvel way where he came up with a plot right. he sent yeah. and sent the artist off. This is a Stanley script, and it gives you an idea of just like if we talk about how talented Stanley could be when taken outside of the Silver Age context yeah. of all that other stuff. And I think it shows that his mind was always, he was always had that ability to go a little beyond the cliche, right? Yes. When he was asked to make a romance comic, it wasn't just a romance comic. It was this kind of wonky kind of psychedelic. Weird, yes. You know, this, 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 that's not a romance comic. It's not fantasy. It's not, it's not science fiction, but he makes it work. You know what's yeah. even more, there's something painful to me because there's eight issues or nine issues available on Marvel Unlimited. And starting in issue 11, according to descriptions I'm reading, Venus becomes even wilder as a comic book. So here's a description from Venus number 11. The first story is called End of the World. Venus manages to help a scientist with his love life and save the earth from falling into the sun. And then <laughs> beyond the third dimension, a scientist dies taking the secrets of dimensional travel with him. And uh, uh, Venus spurns Satan's advances, leading to hell on Earth. I mean, I want to read these comics, but well, they cost thousands of dollars and they're not digitized. Venus only goes up to issue 19. And you're talking about that. I went a little bit further. And uh -huh. Venus number 17 is where they're starting to embrace the horror phase. Uh -huh. And the, the woman in bondage has Venus shackled to a wall with skeletons and the artist by Bill Everett, of all people. Wow. I mean, and Bill Everett is a Golden Age, Silver Age, and Bronze Age artist who co-created right. Submariner. One of and the very here, best, I think, of the yes. Golden Age in my mind. And here you get to see this, this almost probably at the dawn of the horror comic stuff. And a very different Bill Everett who's doing it. I was like, you're right. I would love to see some of this. Let me go back yeah. to, I'm actually looking at the um, penis right here. So hopefully this podcast will cause more people to go check out what there is available on Marvel Unlimited for Venus. And they'll say, hey, there's a lot of activity on Venus. Let's put out the rest of them. You're right. I wish they did more of the Venus run. Because the Venus is a very unique, fun stuff. And Marvel does not do a whole lot of Golden Age comic books. And for what they right. have on there, it does make for a fantastic run of a different Stanley that most people don't know. 
before we end this talk about Venus, which was a fantastic pick. Thank you for picking it. Is there any final words you want to talk about concerning Venus or Stanley or anything? Well, uh, no, I think we've covered it. I, I really enjoyed this. <laughs> I have not read all they have digitally available, but I plan to plunge into the rest of it. I think that when I first discovered it, I read issue one and two and then uh, eight and nine. And even nine starts to get more mythological. I think Apollo and some other gods show up there. Thank you for picking this comic book. I would have never picked it. I would have never bet money that you would pick this. <laughs> this is a fantastic read. Thank you very much on that. Again, any final words before I you know, sign off today? Uh, just thanks for having me on your show. Keep doing what you're doing. It's wonderfully eclectic, and, and that's the best thing. Thank you very much. Hope to have you on again. Again, Damien runs the Sleepy Eye uh, YouTube channel. There will be a link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you stick around for future episodes. If you like this podcast, please spread the word. Recommend it to comic fans. With this episode, I've added a link tree to the show notes, allowing you easy access to the comic fan podcast platforms and social media accounts. Please follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I want the podcast to grow and introduce fans to a different way of covering comic books. Again, thanks so much for listening. See you next time.